out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Hi, everybody. I believe we're at day 61 of 100 days of call-in. And I, I think I just had like a really rousing conversation where I think I had I said some things that I needed to say to Kevin Gostela, which is um, he's he's a leftist activist, and you know these are things that I would have said to any of them if they had in quiet company and maybe had at a lower tone and lower volume, because but had they not insisted on shutting everyone out and treating everyone like uh, a psychometric criminal for not being communist or progressive or socialist or whatever. Um, you know, because they think that anybody who... And they ignore. They ignore crimes among their own people. And the most important part of what they are doing in their communications is to politically castigate the other guy and most often for what they are doing. So the one thing that I probably didn't get to say while I was briefly on Kevin's show was that just because Trump did some fascist things, it does not mean that fascist things are not going on in the Biden administration. Okay, just because you can call the other one out on a bad act does not mean bad acts are not being not happening or not being done. And I actually would use Putin as as one such, you know, he's he's great. He's a great old Soviet, and he's great at making the other guy look bad and pointing out all his sins and all of their crimes and misdeeds. But what he's really bad at is not covering his own. So somebody else will have to come back and say, well, here you go, Putin. Here's all the immoral shit that you did. And, you know, there is a bunch, there is a bunch. And I told them, finally, finally, in a very cleansing way, um, how bad their policies were and how how much they didn't work. And then they, they proceeded to openly gaslight me, which is, you know, totally expected. You know, they, they said, that's not happening, and I don't know what you're talking about. That's the, that's the famous one, the, the Pacific Northwest Communist... I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's lessons in corruption. And, you know, if I seem intolerant, maybe it's because I've had enough. (laughs) So I hope you'll apologize to, you know, anyone who's listening to this after the amount just has to know. I'm, I'm not somebody who goes on leftist shows and trolls necessarily. But Kevin pissed me off, and he's one of those people that managed to piss me off personally. And, you know, I thought that there were things that we had in common cause years ago. One of them would be working on Bradley Manning's stuff and Julian Assange. And so, you know, it's just they're working on a subset or a set of things. They think that insulting Trump... And going after the character of Marjorie Taylor Greene is somehow going to hurt my feelings. Those people are political actors. And they are targets for political ire. But the only reason why they care about them at all is because they might have power that they don't. 
and they are just haters because if they ever got the power that say Georgia in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district had or they got the power that that even Trump has as far as an, an influencer all they would do is use it to crush my speech your speech and anyone who disagree, disagrees with them so it, it's profoundly uninteresting so that's part of disobedience disobedience to a line of rhetoric disobedience to a line of tech rhetoric um, I'm gonna go ahead and try to invite the people here Let's see come talk so today I wanted to update this talk and position on creative approaches to civil disobedience and civil disobedience is one of those things that you you know you have a civic duty to do it when things are getting oppressive now this can be used by anyone it can be used by the left or the right or the in-between or anybody who's like if there's a governance standard a governance process a governance um, objective that is coming at you strong but it's not not legal okay it's it's not legal it's not what you agreed to and it's not in the social contract meaning like say it's unlawful and there is something that violates your First Amendment rights someone else's First Amendment rights <coughs> their bodily autonomy such as these vaccination mandates or a lot of people who who used their disemployment as a means of civil disobedience <coughs> now there, there's a double-edged sword there because the government tried to deny them benefits employment benefits and government benefits for not going along with their requirements and they, they found that the courts back them up the, the citizens um, and that they're not allowed to commission um, disemployment or unemployment benefits against the against someone for voluntarily leaving um, because of a medical reason so each aspect of civil disobedience is very important so if someone tries to silence you you speak up louder you just speak up louder and you know people love to go after the other okay and they'll decide who you are you know and so one of the things that I did today as an act of creative civil disobedience is to go on to a communist show and tell them why don't you march out your list of political criminals right now just march them out do your two minutes of hate and make sure I'm at the top of that list and they really didn't know where to go with that because they know they're doing it they know that they are doing such things right now you know Trump Trump is the bad guy he is the guy on the on the cross you know throw all your sticks and arrows at at Donald Trump okay and you know if it wouldn't be Donald Trump okay let's take that guy down we're done with him the new voodoo doll the new the new object of our castigation shall be Ron DeSantis 
you know, and, and on and on and on and on. I mean, there's just no end to, to their, their sins, their sins of not being a communist state, their sins of not conceding to their, their totalitarian, anti-democratic governance rule. Okay, they've laundered a lot of their agenda with Biden. And you know what? They're not happy. You know why? Because they'll never be happy. They're never going to be happy until they have total control. So you can be a communist and hate fascism all day long, but you're not different. You're not different. You're just a different slice of what they're selling. Now, if they weren't associated with corporations, but I'll tell you, here, here's where the lines are going to bleed, okay? When, when the communist state nationalizes all stuffs, including all industries and all businesses, you automatically become fascist, so you can't escape it. You know, that's what China did. They were the perfect, you know, Maoist utopia. They, they did it. They, they committed to communism. They're, they're the, the apex predator of communism in the world today, yet they can't do it right. They certainly can't do it right because they have industry. Oh, my God. And if they didn't, they would be starving. If they didn't import and export and do trade with other countries, they would be starving. Like they were when they first started their purist movement. So I don't think you'll ever make those people happy. Ever. So as I sit here in my lone room and speak to you about civil disobedience, because I intend to do more of it, um, you have to show up. You have to show up in person, and you have to say, "This is not. This is not for me." You have to do it yourself, and you may have to do it alone, but you have to do it. And if you don't, um, they're going to get the impression that you don't care. They're going to get the impression that it's okay. They have your tacit consent to do exactly all of the things. So, um, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that I asserted myself today in, in a loud and vociferous way. And while it may not been, have been perfectly appropriate, I wanted to bring a certain amount of accountability right to their doorstep. I want them to understand that they weren't going to get away without some kind of ire. Some, some sort of confrontation to let them know this is not okay, this is not good public policy, and you have failed. Okay? So that is also another way. Showing up to public meetings and letting them know what you're not happy with. Saying this is not okay, this has made my life worse, this policy is not working, I am a human being, um, I have rights here, and they shall not be trumbled or trundled, sorry. You know, because I'll tell you what will happen if you just allow it to go. They will say your evidence is not evidence. You can, you can provide them with as much paper and science as you want. 
they're just going to say, this is irrelevant. I don't know what you're talking about. But if you call them a liar to their face, they have nowhere to go because they know that they are lying. They know they're lying. And minimalizing and minimizing, sorry, minimalizing. I don't think that's really a word. But if they minimize your claims and seek to invalidate your grievances, it's because they have no governance. They have no policy. They have nowhere to go. They have to go back and ask permission to the fascist or socialist or leftist mothership. Okay? And that it, there's just, you know, it, this is not, Colin is not a leftist network. There's a lot of leftists on here, but it's not a leftist network. You know, there are people like me who are divergent, I suppose. And a few other people who have been on the network who are also divergent. And, you know, they, they all seem to have programs, too. So, while I am here, let me just make good on the time. And just do some civil disobedience. There was also kind of a... a see here, refusal to obey a law as a result of moral objections, especially through passive resistance, like just not doing it. So my civil disobedience to the governance of, say, like Jay Inslee and Justin Trudeau was to, to leave and to not participate in their economy, not give them any any type of tax or, or government <clears throat> government rule, like completely repudiate their government. And um, there is the mass protest, but individual protest matters. So you can do nonviolent refusal to obey certain uh, certain rules. Like in a dictatorship, say like a fascist dictatorship, you can just not go along with their, their arbitrary rules, which come up on the fly. They're, they're um, determined for the day. So, um, or you just say no to the commands of an established authority uh, based on the, their lack of morality or if they end up being detrimental, meaning like, okay, well, we're, we are going to, to seize upon the water rights of a small town in Indiana because we don't like their politics. And that shall be bad. We, we don't seize upon the human or natural rights of a person that that's like an act of war that's like a sanction a personal sanction and not everyone in that town I'm sure agreed holistically politically with something but maybe their their leadership said something that was just bad too bad for the other hierarchy that said okay we will punish you utterly because you're different from us we will take your water, and if we could, we would suffocate your air. We would poison you utterly. Well, that's just not okay. So you have to do a civil disobedience, and you have to find a way to make sure that you protect the people, you get them water. Um, one legendary uh, method of doing this, the British occupying nation, to the nation of India, before it was before India was India, the nation state. It was it was just India, and it was 
a British-occupied territory for about 500 years. Gandhi changed that with civil disobedience, and that's, that is why he is a legend. So when I think about civil disobedience, he was like the king of moderate, nonviolent civil disobedience. The British decided to say, you'll have no salt, we're going to put a salt tax. We're going to tax the salt. And it was exorbitant. And, and people needed salt for all sorts of reasons. For industry, for preserving food, for producing things normally, to make solutions. I mean, salt's in a lot of things. Um, but the British were controlling the tax on that particular commodity. So what he did is he marched all of the um, civil disobedient to the sea and then <clears throat> they made salt for days. They just made salt and it was free. It came from the ocean and then they marched it back. And the British occupiers did not receive one red cent. So that's a great example of civil disobedience. So, <clears throat> and then you can do it in a group. Groups, uh, the group may refuse to obey a law or refuse to go along with an ordinance or a rule um, because they believe the law is immoral or the rule is immoral. Um, you can protest against discrimination. You can protest against censorship. You can protest against um, those who seek to do things um, that are going to kettle or castigate or make things worse for others. And I am so a fan right now of civil disobedience because they're going to continue to try. I see that Joe Biden is not going to have very much luck in the, in the near and ongoing future in forcing people to do things by autocratic or just, you know, auto-generated rule. You know, laundered crap from the State Department, laundered, uh, laundered surveillance policy from the State Department, those sorts of things. And I think that that it's important to recognize that civil disobedience will be useful to you at some point, especially if it gets it gets so out of hand. Um, and the, the case for me would be like the civil use of passports, passport policy, um, internal passport policy, and the use of identity, the brutal use of identity, um, to cordon off people and make sure that they don't have what they need use identity as, as a quantifier for entry or exit to a legal space. Um, those, those things are going up and I wish that they were going down, meaning I wish that they were not so many because <clears throat> the, when you multiply identifiers as quorum, um, it is to intent, intentionally exclude someone. And it is intentionally to make someone like a criminal. 
and there's a lot of history on this. Um, I could probably do a program just on this, but uh, I will reserve that for another time. So let's look at methods of civil disobedience. Here's one from Rebellion Global. <laughs> 15 examples of civil disobedience which have made a difference. Right up top. It's not enough to believe in something. You have to be ready to stand for something if you want change. Edward Snowden. So he told the truth in a, from a darkened agency. That was an act of civil disobedience. And... Uh, so it starts by saying, this situation looks bleak and it feels like there's nothing you or, or I can do. This is not a predicament exclusive to our time. History can point us in the direction of those who felt exactly the same, ordinarily pe ordinary people who, constrained by injustice, took action to challenge those who held the power. It is our right and our moral obligation to protest over unjust political, economic, or social conditions. Many of the rights we take for granted came about as a result of protest. Human rights, women's rights, and the rights of workers. It has always been a struggle to bring about the change, but it can be achieved. What is civil disobedience? Civil disobedience is the active, nonviolent refusal to accept the dictates, dictats of governments. It informs them that unjust actions will be opposed and the people will act illegally if pushed to do so. Civil disobedience causes disruptions and focuses attention while forcing debate with the aim of bringing about fundamental and progressive changes within our society and our world. Acts of civil disobedience do not have to be extreme. Uh, we can all be activists. Small actions can lead to larger ones and provide inspiration to individuals who may be unsure where to funnel their concerns. This, in turn, can help lay the pathway to further understanding and global change. These 15 examples of civil disobedience span almost a century, from the solitary action of a young Montgomery woman to the mass protests of thousands in Scotland and Sudan. Every one of these protesters remained united in their demand for justice and call for a better world. Fight for women's suffrage. Consider the inferior sex. Women have no vote, no power, no say how their world was governed. In the face of an injustice, the women fought back. So the British fight for women's suffrage to vote. Groups from women's labor movement and the moderate non-confrontational National Union of Women's Suffrage Societies. Believing in civil disobedience, the NUWSS disrupted Parliament. They changed themse chained themselves to railings, distributed pamphlets, and organized demonstrations and lectures. And now, as a result of their, you know, really hard and you know violent, um, you know, people really beat them up. They literally went out and beat these women up in the streets. Okay, they, these were working women. These were women who who really wanted and needed the right to vote. And as a result, we inherit today the, not the first or the second, but the third Prime Minister in the United Kingdom, uh, Ms. Trust. I think it's Trust, G-R-U-S-S, -S, yes. Um, who was elected Prime Minister um, after Boris Johnson. 
uh, and we enjoy the heritage of their civil disobedience today. So, the Salt March of India, which we, we just discussed, and uh, the, the Salt March and the ensuing civil disobedient movement uh, shook the foundations of the British Empire while providing a turning point on the road to Indian independence in 1947, which they desperately needed. It was a simple yet defiant act of civil disobedience by people of conviction and courage taking a stand against world power. Segregation defiance, USA. Now here's one everyone seems to know about, it, which is really very great. Um, when an African-American schoolgirl is ordered to give up her seat to a white woman, the abolitionists provide her with the strength to stay where she is. Um, at the age of 15, a schoolgirl, Claudette Colvin, became the first African-American to refuse to give up her seat to a white woman on a bus in Mon Montgomery, Alabama. Colvin stated she felt the hands of abolitionist Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth holding her down. <laughs> Um, she was dragged from the bus and subjected to sexist and racist behavior before being arrested and held in adult jail. Man, they were mean to her. They were mean to Claudette Colvin. Following the arrest of Rosa Parks nine months later for the same action, the Women's Political Council... It's always women! All these uppity women! <laughs> but you know what? You benefit. You benefit from their fighting. Um... A group of black women working for civil rights circulated 50,000 flyers calling for a boycott of the Montgomery bus system. So that was an actual, we're like, well, we're just not going to take the bus. We're going to just not, they're not going to get our five cents for however long. <laughs> they're going to kick us out the bus. We, yeah, I guess you don't need us. As news spread of the boycott, African-American leaders across Montgomery began to lend, lend their support. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this too. So, uh, from December 5th, 1955 to December 20th, 1956, approximately 40,000 African Americans refused to travel on Montgomery buses. Although many chose to walk, carpools were organized, with the city's African American taxi drivers charging the same price as the bus fare. Now, there you go. There's some, some creative, creative approach to civil disobedience. They're like, we're going to help out. <laughs> The protesters were determined to continue until the, the city met their demands, which included the hiring of black bus drivers and a first-come, first-seated policy, which is totally fair. Ultimately, a group of five Montgomery women sued the city and the U.S. District Court seeking to have the segregation laws totally invalidated, and they were invalidated. They got really bad laws taken off the books. And so when a law is bad in America... You have the right to change it, and I hope you do. I hope you find all the all the rights to change it. Um, Wave Hill Walk Off, Australia, nineteen sixty six to nineteen seventy five. I have not heard of this. Um, I think this may be the last one. Okay, so two hundred people turned their back on abuse and moved to settle on traditional land. They refused to leave, demanding the rightful return of the land to the indigenous people. This is great. I cannot wait to hear this. Without the land, we are nothing. Jurindji tribal leader Vincent Lingiari led 200 pastoral workers away from the privately owned Wave Hill cattle station in the Northern Territory as protests against low pay, poverty, and decades of abuse. The walk-off mob formed a new settlement at 
Dadjuraju, I hope I got that right, refusing an order to vacate. The strike lasted seven years. Man, they had to really dig in. I'm really... Woo! Lingiari's um, continued lobbying of politicians galvanized the strike and gained support from non-Indigenous Australians. It was the precursor to land rights legislation almost 10 years later when in 1975, 3,300 square kilometers of Australian land was first returned to the Jurindji tribe. I hope I... G-U-R-I-N-D-G-J-I. Jurindji. I think I got it. In 1976, the Aboriginal Land Rights Northern Territory Act was signed, allowing indigenous people to claim terra traditional and spiritual land. Thank God. So the workers' rights action resulting in a land rights victory, but man, it took seven years of really digging in, and they had to like have their shoulder against that thing the entire time. Okay, we're at 429. So... This is the SIP in USA, 1966. Okay. Four men walk into a bar and ask to be served. The service is denied because they are gay. The men risk arrest to ensure their story is reported and shared. We are homosexuals. In 1966, New York City, serving alcohol to homosexuals was illegal. Under a disorderly conduct statute, city quote-unquote cleanups encouraged the closure of bars frequented by gays and the arrest of homosexual customers by way of police entrapment. Many lives were destroyed as a result. That's terrible. So Dick Leitch, a pivotal figure in the fight for gay rights, was accompanied by three friends from the Mattachine Society. John Timmons, Randy Wicker, and Craig Rodwell entered Julius's bar in Greenwich Village, declared themselves homosexuals, Maybe they were straight uh, and asked to be served. This is thought to be the first organized act of civil disobedience by gay people. Maybe they were all gay. It would make sense. But even if they weren't, they could say that. They're like, I'm going to be gay right now as an act of civil disobedience. Service was denied, and the incident was widely reported in the press. Within a year, New York State courts ended the practice of using gay patronage as an excuse for revoking liquor licenses and thus opening the way for licensed gay bars. Light's further actions were instrumental in putting an end to entrapment while encouraging legal challenges to charges based solely on police testimony. Influenced by the sit-ins at a segregated lunch counter by civil rights protesters, this was a brilliant example of how the nonviolent market nonviolent courteous action of four brave individuals led to societal change and the reframing of public understanding. So, <clears throat> we could go on. There's the Navy Calibre protest in Puerto Rico, the tree sitters of Puraria in New Zealand of 1978, the resistance to toxic mining in Estonia in 1987, uh, and the poll tax refusal, United Kingdom, 1989 to 1990. That was fairly recently, like in my lifetime. Unethical patent laws, 1998 to present day. Um, uh, sometimes they can be used unethically, I believe that. But it, this is mo mo mainly over seeds. Seeds. 
So there he is, Joshua. <laughs> the whole time. Hey, Josh. Thanks for giving me a second act here. I know you weren't, you know, everybody's kind of mad at me sometimes, but I have to just say what I have to say. You, yeah, but then you do a show like this, and I'm like, yeah, but she has such a good heart. I'll just say heart. Like, <laughs> but, I mean, she, you see, like, communists everywhere, and not all of us are communists. We're independent well, thinkers. Okay, you have a right and, to say oh, that. We all have to I'm honor mad, the state. You are mad. You're fighting mad. And, you know, some of those rooms, like, you, you have contributions that would be valuable in those rooms but um, you know I think that some of it may be that you're a woman that you feel like you have to yell over people you've been shouted down so much mansplains to I mean it might be a reaction to the abuse of this oh, culture they, they gaslight you know? me Those so people, I'm, I'm sorry, trying Joshua. to be more gentle with everybody Kevin Gosdala. did you know did you, know? you probably didn't know, but there are leftist well, men who are absolutely. I I am not aware of the tea. You know, um, let me let me help you. Let me help you. Um, it Thank there God. are a fair I amount. I want to know the tea. <laughs> <laughs> there are a fair amount of uh, people in the progressive leftist movements that that claim to be wear the flag of feminism and of women's rights and of abortion rights and all types of rights but when it comes down to it they they surgically remove a woman's voice and that actually is on Naomi Wolf's list of uh, here we go to fascism here we go to totalitarianism you know on, on the one-way dive and what is frequently never said is that these guys get in a room and they'll never invite a, a woman up once. But they do get credit. They do get credit for letting me speak at all. So I think that there is some penance in there. If there is any to be had, it's that they had to listen to me be mad at them. Because they'll never hear it. They live in an insulated little bubble where everybody agrees with them. And they needed to hear it. They needed to hear that, that I was mad at them. They needed to hear why I was mad at them. And maybe maybe the tone wasn't great, but but uh, you know what? And they did write it off. They did exactly what I expected them to do, which is to, to basically gaslight everything I said, say that I don't know what I'm talking about, which is what, that's that's my experience. That's my experience when I deal with, you know, progressive socialists and communists. They, they just say, you... You don't know what you're talking about. And I could sit there and provide them proof for 12 years, okay? But they're just, they just, it doesn't function for what they need. So they just set it aside. It doesn't matter that it's factual. So I've watched them I, do it for years, I, I didn't, and, and I'm just tired of it. I didn't listen to the first 20, I didn't listen to the first 20 minutes of the show. That's, uh, and so the last 10 minutes where that occurred... I was like, what the hell did everybody talk about? You can't, like, was it all climate change and anti-war discussion? Because those would be things that I would think that everybody would be able to be on the same page on. But, no, I think it's just 
it's ego based, and uh, I'm uh, I'm trying to be less centered in my ego in all of these discussions. And I did miss the first twenty minutes of your thing today, but I would assume based on your mood that it went well because you seemed to be happy in your uh, talk of segregationists or not of suffragettes, and that is a very uh, that's a very important thing. I think that we have to. We have to walk beside. We have to be able to be led by women now too, um, and uh, you know, I, I say that sincerely. So I hope well, that you I, can I mean, come I in those think... rooms and enjoy the discussions without feeling like you're being cast out or seen as somebody that just won't have the discussion at all. I don't think they actually deal with very many opponents in real life. I really, honestly think that they they don't. And I probably could have done a better job at, at being more um, diplomatic. But some part of me, the truthy part of me, if <laughs> the truthy, the truthy part of me said, "You know what? Just be mad. Just tell them their policies suck. Just tell them it's failed. Just tell them they're not converting anybody." That was them. definitely it. Was definitely a blitzkrieg approach to the bridges. It was just like. Ah. <laughs> I mean, because they blew it up. I'm just letting them know. I'm just letting them know. You can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway. I mean, he had two Austinites in there. He was trying to like, it was, it was ga- some gaslighting shit because he had two Austinites back to back. Myself and Lindsay both live here. We're both dealing with amplified oh. crime. She's gone, damn, like, like, you know, anti. Yeah, I was, you, you, please. Uh, that's a, there's a shit ton of racism room over there right now. Uh, I don't so. know why. I, I just, I don't know why. I think she's got. There's somebody bugging her. That's what I thought. And you know, uh, is it a three percenter boyfriend? Somebody, does she have a three percenter boyfriend? I no. I'm just. I'm throwing that out there, like. But it seems like maybe somebody's got her mind. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's <laughs> I think either it's one or the other. It's either somebody's sitting on her and really bugging her, and and you like somebody's just just harassing her every day, and this is how it's coming out. Or you know, there's there's a new influencer in her in her real inner circle, and it's not not a positive influence, not a fair influence. Because well, that's I, what I worry I about you all talking, the time. What's that? You're not a fair influence on my mind. You're, <laughs> you're lobotomizing me in some way, and I'm like, oh, is she yeah, going, I... who's the spy? Is she a sparrow? Am I a raven? No. Uh, those are all terms for... What bird am I today? I'm a boarding dove. <laughs> Two nights ago, oh my I was God. Hell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna call it there. I'm really glad you called back yeah. in, and uh, you know, it, yeah. there's latitude for for improvement for all. I probably should do something, but I'm not gonna do it for a little while. I'm just gonna set that aside and let it just. I'm gonna let 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 the aloe do what it, its work if it's gonna happen. So I'm just gonna let it go, and uh, and thank the listeners, which is you and whoever listens to this <laughs> later. <laughs> You're good. And, um, Take care. You know, Have a good we're, day. We're, we're going to do day 60 tomorrow. 
We done it. 60 or what is it? 30 days? Like at least a month. Day 60 out of 100. So we've done 40 days. So we have, I think, 60 to go. (laughs) That's the math. That's the math. All right. That's why I went into journalism-ish. So I didn't have to do math. All right. So I'm going to do the outro now, and we'll see you tomorrow, guys. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call-In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.